Welcome, one and all, to Boss Science, a podcast where I interview wicked smart scientists to learn all about the latest and greatest scientific research going on in Boston. I'm your host, Grace Ingalls, and today I'm introducing a new segment to Boss Science called Sound Bites. These adorable bite-sized episodes will air every month and will feature me ranting, I mean, thoughtfully discussing, a unique topic in the world of science. No two sound bites will ever be alike, as each episode will cover a new subject, probably on whatever has my attention at the time. Today's soundbite will cover a topic that has captured the entire world's attention, the COVID-19 virus. Over the next 20 minutes, I'll cover some of the amazing work done by scientists all across Boston to help understand, prevent, diagnose, and treat the outbreak of COVID-19. So, are you guys ready for some boss-ass science? Welcome to the show. It seems like today, the only thing people can think about, talk about, and read about is COVID-19. Although the current pandemic has been colloquially termed coronavirus, it turns out that coronavirus actually refers to a family of different viruses, including some strains that you've probably heard of before. One strain of coronavirus first identified in Guangdong province of China back in 2003, resulted in an epidemic of severe acute respiratory syndrome, better known as SARS. Nine years later, a different strand of coronavirus appeared in Saudi Arabia and resulted in a new illness named Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS for short. Now, coronavirus disease of 2019, which is what COVID-19 actually stands for, is a respiratory illness that is caused by a new strain of coronavirus. This particular strain is called Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, or SARS-CoV-2 for short. And it's wreaking far more havoc around the world than its family members responsible for SARS and MERS ever did. Since its first discovery in early January of 2020, the SARS-CoV-2 virus has spread rapidly across the world to affect 212 countries and territories, and as of the date of this recording, has accumulated more than 4.2 million cases worldwide, resulting in over 280,000 deaths. So what's known about the novel coronavirus? Although research to understand the virus is ongoing, here's what's understood so far. The SARS-CoV-2 virus is believed to have originated from bats and most likely started infecting humans via an intermediary species such as pangolins, these cute little scaly anteater-looking creatures that I would 100% cuddle with if I got the opportunity. But maybe after this whole pandemic blows over. After the virus moved from pangolins to humans, the transmission of the virus between humans is believed to occur when small droplets of water containing the virus are exhaled by an infected person through coughing or sneezing. These virus-loaded droplets can enter our system through our mucous membranes, which is all the gooey, sticky parts of our body, like our nose, mouth, or eyes. Once the virus is inhaled, it comes into contact with the cells lining our airways. These types of cells have a particularly high number of receptors on their surface, known as ACE2 receptors. Normally, the cells in our body use surface proteins and receptors as a way to regulate movement of important chemicals in and out of the cell, as well as to trigger signals between cells. 
However, the SARS-CoV-2 virus has its own set of surface proteins, and one of these surface proteins is an exact match for our cell's ACE2 receptors. This match allows the virus to attach to the surface of the cell and then inject its own RNA into our cell. Once the viral RNA is inside our cell, the RNA will hijack our cell's replication machine that we normally use to make more of our cells, and we'll use it to make a bunch of copies of the virus. In some cases, infected cells can produce 100 to 1,000 viruses per day. Once these newly minted viruses are formed, they can burst open the cell and head off to repeat the process all over again. What's surprising is that the COVID-19 infection is generally mild, and studies show that more than 80% of infected people can display little to no symptoms at all. But this is in fact the true weapon of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, because unlike the viruses responsible for SARS and MERS, this novel strain of coronavirus can easily transmit from person to person without any of the infected people being aware they're contagious. However, for people who are older or have pre-existing conditions, an infection by SARS-CoV-2 could be deadly. As the virus starts to spread through the respiratory tract and deeper into the lungs, it encounters a much higher number of cells with ACE2 receptors. As the virus destroys the lung cells to create more virus, the lung can get congested with bits of broken cells, making breathing difficult and requiring intensive care treatment. In some cases, a patient's own immune system can cause problems by going into overdrive and attracting immune cells to the lungs to try and attack the virus. This immune response results in inflammation, and if the inflammation in the lungs gets too severe, it can kill the patient. As the number of COVID-19 cases continues to grow, I know a lot of people are alarmed and frightened, and are unsure when to expect this pandemic to come to an end. Although I don't have an answer for you there, what I can do is tell you that there are thousands of people all across the world working right now to try and find those answers. While most of our Boston residents are working from home at the moment, there are still many people in the city working tirelessly to bring a stop to the COVID-19 outbreak. Although there are hundreds of different projects going on throughout Boston, here are a few highlights of how these wicked smart people are working to understand, prevent, detect, and treat the outbreak of COVID-19. It's hard to combat a disease that you don't understand. So, research to identify how a virus infects, spreads, and kills is essential to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. Under the collaboration of Mass General Hospital, MIT, and Harvard, the researchers at the Ragon Institute and the Broad Institute have identified specific types of cells that are targeted by the SARS-CoV-2 virus. These organizations, along with colleagues all around the world, are using existing data on the RNA found in different cell types to search for cells that express two specific proteins that help the virus enter human cells. How does this work? Magic? Almost. Many years ago, scientists discovered DNA, the genetic material that encodes all the information our body needs to survive. Think of it as a massive encyclopedia that lists every single gene needed to create you. Scientists then found something called RNA, which is a copy of specific gene segments of your DNA. You can think of this as little excerpts from the DNA encyclopedia. This RNA is what our cells actually use to make all the proteins that are responsible for the specific tasks that keep us alive. Now, we all have different cell types in our body. Skin cells, muscle cells, brain cells, yada yada yada, you get the point. 
Each cell type has a unique function to perform, which means that each cell type must create specific proteins that help the cell perform that specific function. Amazingly though, our body knows exactly which proteins each cell needs, and so each cell in our body will have a specific set of RNA present which codes for all the proteins that the cell will need. Bonkers, right? Knowing that each cell type in our body will have these unique sets of RNA strands is crazy to me. And it makes me wonder why no one has tried to catalog this phenomenon to record what RNA strands are present in each cell type. But, of course, someone already has. There goes another one of my million dollar ideas. In 2016, the Human Cell Atlas Project was founded as an international collaborative effort to map all the cells in the human body and their relationship to each other. And part of this project involves cataloging the genes expressed in each cell type. Using datasets generated from the Human Cell Atlas Project, these Boston researchers have identified which specific types of cells appear to be targets for the SARS-CoV-2 virus. If this wasn't exciting enough, the study also revealed a surprising genetic correlation between the genes for the ACE2 receptor, which we already know plays an important role in the SARS-CoV-2 viral infection, and the genes of the protein interferon. These researchers hope to use this discovery to help create more accurate tissue models that can help scientists test existing antiviral drugs, and hopefully predict how they might affect the SARS-CoV-2 infection. All the work and findings done in this study are being shared with researchers all across the world to try to ensure that a cure is found as soon as possible, regardless of who finds it. When it comes to a viral outbreak like SARS-CoV-2, a well-known saying in the field of medicine comes to mind. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. This is why researchers at Brigham and Women's Hospital are working on using different biomaterials as a novel technique for stopping the spread of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Bioengineer Dr. Jeff Karp of BWH's Division of Engineering heads a research lab that studies materials that can be sprayed into the nasal cavity to create a physical coating over the mucosal surface. The CARP lab envisions that the coating formed by this spray could act as a barrier to capture the inhaled virus before it can enter a person's airways. These scientists foresee that this spray could also be loaded with antiviral agents, which would inactivate any virus that the spray captures. Talk about a one-two punch. In addition to the antiviral nasal spray, the CARP lab is also working on developing a novel antiviral moisturizer. This concept hopes to improve upon an existing viral prevention technique used in most households today, hand sanitizer. While traditional alcohol-based hand sanitizers can kill bacteria and viruses, they are only effective for a short period of time. Since the SARS-CoV-2 virus has been shown to survive on surfaces for more than 24 hours, there's a drastic need for long-acting sanitizers. The CARP lab envisions using biomaterials such as hydrogels loaded with antiviral agents that can be applied to the skin or other surfaces and actively kill the virus for hours after application. Since lots of people apparently never learn to wash their hands in kindergarten, this could be a major help in stopping the spread of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. But preventing the spread of the virus can be difficult, especially when you can't tell if you're spreading it. The SARS-CoV-2 virus is about 100 nanometers in diameter, which is about 10,000 times smaller than the width of a single strand of hair. This means visual detection is not an option. 
And since many people who become infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus won't display any symptoms, there's no way to detect the presence of the virus. That's where scientists at Boston University's National Emerging Infectious Disease Laboratories, or NEIDL for short, can help. These researchers have found a way to detect the SARS-CoV-2 virus in cell cultures by lighting up the virus using glowing antibodies. Also known as immunoglobulins, antibodies are a protein naturally produced by our body's immune system to help stop pathogens from harming the body. These antibodies work by attaching to a very specific protein on the pathogen's surface called an antigen. Once the antibody attaches to the pathogen's antigen, it acts as a signal to the immune system to destroy the tagged pathogen. What makes antibodies so amazing is that each one is different, and each is highly specific to a different antigen. Think of antibodies and antigens as locks and keys for a safe. Although there are hundreds of locks and keys available, there is only one key that will work to open that safe, and won't work on any other lock except that specific one. Since there are so many different strains of pathogens that can infect our body, we have to make a lot of antibodies. In fact, humans generate about 10 billion different antibodies, each capable of binding to a different antigen site. 10 billion! Isn't that wild? Honestly, it hurts my head to even think about it. The researchers at NEIDL are using these antibodies to their advantage, and they have identified the specific antibody our body produces to target and flag the SARS-CoV-2 virus. These scientists have now modified this antibody to attach a molecule that fluoresces under blue light. When this fluorescently modified antibody is introduced to a cell culture that has been infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, the antibody attaches to the surface of the virus and sends a beacon of light to show where exactly in the cell the virus is located. This gives us a huge advantage, because understanding where inside the cell the SARS-CoV-2 virus accumulates can help researchers focus on testing drug compounds that target that specific area. In fact, the teams at the NEIDL are the only scientists in New England working with live copies of the SARS-CoV-2 virus and are using their specialized labs to screen upwards of 20,000 drug compounds to find those most efficient at halting or reducing the COVID-19 infections. There's no question that being able to detect the SARS-CoV-2 virus in the lab will be a huge advantage in understanding and finding a treatment for COVID-19. However, these labs only have a finite supply of people and resources, which makes it inadequate for large-scale testing. But, Researchers at the Weiss Institute of Harvard and MIT are working to bring detection to the public by developing a rapid, self-activating COVID-19 diagnostic face mask. This project, led by Dr. James Collins, is an adaptation to his team's previous work on wearable diagnostic technology platforms, created at the Weiss Institute's Living Cellular Devices Initiative. In this approach, researchers combine two novel technologies, the first is a newly designed cell-free synthetic biosensor that produces a colored fluorescent protein in the presence of viral RNA molecules. The second is the ability to freeze-dry these biosensors and embed them into paper for long-term storage. Dr. Collins and his team hope to modify this technology and embed SARS-CoV-2-specific biosensors directly into the fabric interior of face masks. Once these biosensors are rehydrated from all the droplets we spew while coughing, sneezing, breathing, God, humans are gross. 
The sensors are now activated and can produce either a positive or negative signal just hours after use. This technology could revolutionize how pandemics are approached and help to provide critical early detection and reduce possible transmission of the virus. While preventing and diagnosing the SARS-CoV-2 virus is essential to help limit the spread of the pathogen, unfortunately, it doesn't help those who are already infected. As of right now, there is no vaccine against the SARS-CoV-2 virus, but that doesn't mean researchers aren't working to find ways to treat infected patients. To help accelerate this research, a number of U.S. government agencies and technology companies are providing free supercomputing resources to research teams working on combating COVID-19. Among these teams is a group of researchers from the Media Lab at MIT, who are studying how using a decoy target could stop the SARS-CoV-2 virus from binding to human cells. We already know that coronaviruses are able to inject their RNA into our cells by binding to the cell's ACE2 receptors. But what if we were to introduce a decoy receptor, one that looks just like the real ACE2 receptor, but isn't on the surface of the cell? In theory, this decoy receptor could provide a target for the SARS-CoV-2 virus to bind to, and then neutralize the virus before it has a chance to bind and infect real cells. I know what you're thinking. That sounds great. Sign me up. Well, unfortunately, this process is easier said than done. It's extremely important that whatever decoy receptor used is both effective at neutralizing the SARS-CoV-2 virus and also interacts with other proteins in the body without harmful side effects. And as with most areas of science, the only way to truly find the best target is to keep testing candidates over and over and over until finally you have one that meets all your criteria. Rather than spending a painstaking amount of time and money to actually create these decoy receptors and test them against the virus in the lab, the MIT researchers are using a machine learning model to do the work for them. The way this works is the researchers set up a computer model and feed it tons and tons of data on the ACE2 receptor, and program the model to simulate the relationship between potential decoy receptors and the virus. This model can then predict the best candidates for the job and the team can then focus their actual lab work on testing the efficacy of these select decoy receptors. Using supercomputers and machine learning will hopefully help these researchers quickly find a viable decoy receptor and help move this project from the lab benchtop to the patient's bedside ASAP. Wow, you know, even though I've already read these articles about a hundred times by now, just hearing it all together makes me so incredibly proud of Boston and all the amazing people in it. Before I sign off, I want to take a moment to show my gratitude and support to all the people working to stop this terrible disease. Thank you to all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are putting aside their own fears and safety to help those who need it. Thank you to all the scientists and engineers who are using their incredible talents to help understand and find the treatments we so desperately need. Thank you to all the custodial workers, grocery store employees, and delivery drivers who are keeping our stores and businesses running. And last, but certainly not least, thank you to everyone else for staying inside and staying safe. I know quarantine can suck, but if this situation has taught us anything, it's that we're all in this together. Whether it's a handwritten card in the mail, a phone call over dinner, or a Zoom happy hour with your coworkers, it's easy to see how hard everyone is trying to stay connected and stay sane. With kindness, patience, and support, I promise we will get through this. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show's first ever soundbite. I know I certainly did. Before you click away to your next podcast and forget all about me, I would really appreciate it if you could just take 30 seconds to rate and review the show on your favorite podcasting app or by going to the website ratethispodcast.com slash science and following its short and simple instructions. Every rate and review helps grow the show and puts a huge smile on my face. And who wouldn't want that? You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at BOSScience to hear all about upcoming episodes and guests. If you have any suggestions, say for topics for future soundbite episodes, research labs you'd want me to interview, TV shows to binge watch during quarantine, you can email me at BOSSciencePodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you guys on the next episode of Boss Science, where I interview wicked smart people to learn all about some boss ass science. Bye! Thank you.